what's happening in the world coming up on NTD News. First, our top stories. The United Auto Workers expanding strikes against Detroit automakers, but one of the big three is escaping the latest move. We have the latest. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez charged with corruption for the second time in 10 years. We have details in that case. Lawyers for former President Trump hope to get his New York lawsuit dismissed, but the Attorney General has something else in mind. A possible government shutdown is coming closer, but the Pentagon says it'll keep funding Ukraine even without a spending bill. And China's economic coercion, now under fire, a top U.S. diplomat calls it Beijing's most harmful tool against other countries. We have more on his comments. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers, our top news. The historic auto worker strikes now expanding. Now all parts distribution centers at General Motors and Stellantis are on strike. So today... At noon Eastern Time, all of the parts distribution facilities at General Motors and Stellantis are being called to stand up and strike. The stand up strike movement is not just about the big three. Everywhere, UAW members in the working class are ready to stand up against corporate greed and stand up for our communities. This means the strike has now spread to 38 locations in 20 states targeting GM and Stellantis plants. In total, about 5,600 workers are joining the picket lines, but according to union president, they're making progress with Ford. The company has met some of the union's demands during negotiations over the past week. Gold bars and hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez and his wife were indicted today on federal bribery charges. According to the DOJ, the Democratic senator and his wife are facing charges in connection with their relationship with three New Jersey businessmen. Prosecutors have specifically been investigating whether the pair allegedly received improper gifts, including gold bars, $480,000 in cash, and a luxury vehicle. Senator Menendez is the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He denies any wrongdoing. This is the second time Menendez has faced corruption charges in the past 10 years. He previously fought off accusations of conspiracy and bribery related to alleged personal favors. Just 10 days before former President Trump's scheduled New York trial, his lawyers will try to persuade a New York judge to throw out most or all of the lawsuit. New York State Attorney General Letitia James has accused the former president of fraud. She seeks to bar Trump and his adult sons from running businesses in New York. She also seeks at least $250 million in penalties. Lawyers for James will seek to fast-track the proceedings and ask the judge to find Trump liable even before a jury starts hearing evidence. Justice Arthur Engeron is reviewing claims that Trump lied on financial statements to obtain better terms on loans and insurance. Trump calls the lawsuit a witch hunt. His lawyers argue that James has no authority to sue over private transactions they say were not fraudulent, and that most of her claims fall outside the statute of limitations. The court left it to Engeron to determine which parts of the lawsuit could proceed. The trial is currently delayed, and a panel will determine next week if it can proceed. Are we nearing a government shutdown? 
Lawmakers lay out the impact this would have. Meanwhile, the Pentagon says military aid to Ukraine will continue no matter what. Military aid to Ukraine will continue even if Congress fails to pass a spending bill. The Pentagon says training of Ukrainian fighters wouldn't be interrupted, nor would an active transfer of weapons to the country. The Department of Defense calls the war an expected activity, even if there's a U.S. government shutdown. Ukraine is scheduled to receive American Abrams tanks soon, and Ukrainian pilots are gearing up for training on F-16 fighter jets. Democratic Representative Eric Swalwell says not funding Ukraine would be strategically wrong. It only helps Putin because Putin sees that there's the potential that funding could run out, and so he'll grind this war out as long as he can. He'll try and wait till the next election. He knows how to interfere in our elections, and so he'll probably turn the dial up on doing that. The announcement for funding comes after the House failed to advance a spending bill on Thursday. This brings us closer to a possible government shutdown. You're going to end up costing the American people more money with the shutdown. Uh, so it's really illogical. Republican Congressman Mike Lawler says a government shutdown would be costly, calling for parties to come together. At the end of the day, uh, any final bill is going to be bipartisan. Meanwhile, Colorado Republican Ken Buck warns of possible future debt, advocating for spending cuts. He was one of the Republicans voting against a spending bill in a procedural vote on Thursday. The bottom line is we, we can't keep spending the amount of money that we're spending. This country is going broke. We will have $2 trillion of debt, the highest amount of debt that we've ever had in this country's history this, this year. Um, we can't keep going at that rate. At the same time, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is working on a spending bill that could theoretically be passed without House representatives. However, that's only if 100 senators agreed to shortcuts, which they rarely do. California can no longer ban gun ads aimed at minors. An appeals court ruled yesterday the law violates the right to free speech. The ruling reversed a lower court order aimed at restricting the sales of firearms to minors. While the law is meant to prevent gun advertisers from reaching minors, the new ruling noted it included speech directed at adults who are able to lawfully purchase firearms. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed the law last year in response to the Uvalde school shooting in Texas. Staying with gun control, a new national initiative spearheaded by the White House. President Biden will announce the creation of a White House Office of Gun Violence Prevention later today. The move is evoking strong reactions from supporters and detractors. Second Amendment supporters say gun control advocates are now on the White House payroll. Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation called the move un-American and in direct opposition to the Bill of Rights. David Hogg is a founder of March for Our Lives and a survivor of the 2018 school shooting in Parkland, Florida. In his words, celebrate this win. It shows the difference politics can make. Vice President Harris will oversee the office and White House assistant to the president, Stephanie Feldman, will serve as its director. Coming up, more drugs found at the New York City daycare center where a one-year-old died last week. Find out what was in a hidden compartment. And officers and a carjacking suspect are all stung by wasps during an arrest. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today.
Welcome back. More drugs were found at the New York City daycare center where a one-year-old died and several other children were hospitalized last week. All the children were exposed to opioids. Investigators discovered a hidden compartment under the floor in what was the children's play area after a new search warrant was issued. The NYPD announced yesterday they discovered fentanyl among the 22 pounds of different drugs found in the compartment. Police also discovered drug paraphernalia in the same area. A previous search uncovered over two pounds of fentanyl stored on top of play mats used by children. The owner of the daycare and her husband's cousin, who rents a room at the property, were both arrested. They were charged in state court with murder of depraved indifference, both denied knowledge of and involvement in any illegal drug operation. Authorities are looking for a third suspect who is believed to be the owner's husband. The suspect was last seen on the day the child died, carrying two full shopping bags through a back alley outside the property. Both defendants opted not to testify before a grand jury. Their next court date is scheduled for October 5th. New York Governor Kathy Hochul appears to have shifted her position on illegal immigration. Here's the governor in an interview with CNN. We have to let the word out that when you come to New York, we're not going to have more hotel rooms. We don't have capacity. So we have to also message properly that we're at our limit. If you're going to leave your country, go somewhere else. The New York governor suggests the state's sanctuary policies may have to change after previously championing New York as a sanctuary state. But never was it envisioned that this would be an unlimited universal right or obligation on the city to have to house literally the entire world. Hochul said New York wants to be generous and supportive to people who are experiencing a humanitarian crisis, but there is a limit to what the state can do. Human trafficking, violence, and more is on the rise after California legalized what is often considered a harmless drug. A local sheriff is speaking out about drug cartels that make use of the state's lax marijuana laws. Here's the story. Law enforcement agencies in Northern California say illegal cannabis farms are one of the main threats to public safety. Local Sheriff Matt Kendall recently spoke about the issue with Epic Times California Insider. The sheriff says while Mendocino County is home to 90,000 residents, as many as four to 5,000 illegal cannabis sites have been recorded this year alone. When you drive around, you can hear gunshots almost all night long in the fall. And what wow. it is, is a warning to people saying, I am armed in my marijuana grow. Don't come out here. He said families used to come to the rural county with a 50-year plan, wanting to build homes and connections. But that changed when marijuana was made medically legal in California in 1996. And all of a sudden, a lot of people showed up who did not have a 50-year plan to raise their families, be good people, take care of their neighbors. A lot of people showed up with a two-year plan to make as much money as they possibly could, not care about the environment, not care about their neighbors, and uh, it came with a lot of violence. The sheriff says his county can only assign two deputies to marijuana plantations, so they can't take care of all illegal plantations, only the ones that stand out. If a grow site has uh, human trafficking or, or violence, that gets you on the radar. He says a few years ago, they encountered a 16-year-old Hispanic girl at a plantation. That's when he changed his approach. At that moment, it dawned on me, a lot of the people that we thought were suspects 
we need to slow down and have a conversation with them because they probably are victims. Says the cartels bring victims of human trafficking to California to use them for slave labor. Another outcome possibly stemming in part from the decriminalization of marijuana is addiction to hard drugs. The sheriff says the cartels brought hard drugs with them and got locals hooked. So once local property owners are addicted, the cartels offer them free drugs in exchange for property use. Now it's, we're going to give you some methamphetamine, but you're going to sell some of it for us. Wow. They've addicted a lot of people, and we've got a lot of addictions going on, and they're basically making slaves out of them. He says Mendocino County is now number one in the state per capita for narcotics overdoses as a direct result from the legal drug trade that has entered. You can watch the full interview with Sheriff Matt Kendall in the latest episode of California Insider on EpicTV.com. Seattle police were trying to apprehend a carjacking suspect when a swarm of wasps got in the way. Here's the body cam footage. Police received multiple calls of a person attempting to carjack various vehicles with a knife. They found the suspect the same day on August 14th. When he tried to flee, police chase him through a forested area. As they are trying to apprehend him, through the shrubs, grass, and trees, they run into a swarm of wasps. Police can be seen being stung while also trying to hold the suspect. The suspect and at least one police officer were taken to a medical center for treatment. The suspect was later released and taken to jail. The Pennsylvania prison yard from which convicted murderer Danilo Cavalcante escaped last month will soon be fully enclosed. The Chester County commissioners unanimously voted for the security upgrade. The outdoor exercise space will be enclosed with masonry security walls and a roof instead of fencing and an open-air ceiling. The walls will be at least 18 feet high. There will also be LED lights that mimic daylight, and the basketball hoops will be removed. The company designing the enclosure says it will cost as much as $3.5 million. Cavalcante wasn't the first inmate to escape from the prison last this year. In May, another escaped by using the same crab walk method, but he was caught within minutes. When we come back, find out how we're seeing near-record oil production while the Biden administration is curtailing the industry and pushing renewables. And a report says AI is helping U.S. businesses potentially unlocking billions of dollars in productivity. We have the details soon when we return. Back to the news. Near record oil production amid a clampdown on black gold. What's going on here? We speak with former Wall Street banker and Epic Times reporter Kevin Stockland for more on this contradictory scenario. Kevin Stockland, thank you for joining us. The Biden administration has been curtailing the oil industry since day one. For example, they pulled the plug on the Keystone Pipeline right away. Yet we're still seeing record oil production in the U.S. How is this possible? 
Um, so what we're seeing today is that there's a lag. Uh, when an industry, when the oil industry makes a decision to invest in new production, it generally takes about two to four years before that comes online. What we're seeing today is the production that was uh, green-lighted under the Trump administration coming online. Um, but we're also seeing uh, oil companies trying to uh, squeeze as much output as they can out of existing wells to take advantage of rising prices. What do you think oil production looks like over the next few years here? One of the key indicators of the future is the rig count. That, that's the number of oil, rills, oil uh, wells that are in existence. Um, that number has fallen from about 2,000 existing rigs in 2009 to just over 600 today. So what we're seeing is this is an industry that is not investing in the future. This is an industry that is just cranking as much output as they can out of ex existing infrastructure. Now, the Biden administration just canceled the last seven Trump-era Alaskan oil drilling leases. Uh, this plus the, its promise to move away from oil is discouraging refiners. What are oil refiners feeling right now? Um, th there is an absolute hesitancy to invest in new infrastructure in the oil and gas industry. The last major refinery in the United States was built in 1977. Um, there have been some minor projects built since, but there is no interest or effort or indication uh, in the industry that they're going to invest in new refinery. This leaves us tremendously exposed if we ever need to increase output um, because of shortages or because we get into some sort of a conflict or something like that. And how does President Biden's green energy agenda factor into all this? Well, uh, as you said, they've been um, removing leases. They've been canceling leases that were already approved. Uh, they've been canceling projects like Keystone that were actually already under construction. So it adds tremendous uncertainty to the industry. They, they have no idea if they start a project, if it will be uh, allowed to go to completion. Um, and so what that means is that the CapEx has basically come to a halt and they are, are just squeezing production out of existing infrastructure. How could the discouraging outlook for the oil industry we're talking about impact the average American family? Uh, well, you know, shortage leads to increase in prices, and we're already seeing prices start to creep up. So, um, you know, the oil futures are now above $90 a barrel again. Predictions are that they could cross 100. These are the levels that we saw back in 2022 at the gas pump. Um, so that looks like that could be our, our near-term future. I think we're going to see the effects of this disinvestment come to light in the next uh, two to four years, probably, but that would be after the next election. How does the how does the Biden agenda, like we've been talking about, impact the U.S. oil industry's competitiveness on the international scene? Uh, you know, we are crippling uh, a source of energy that we have in abundance and that's very affordable and reliable for the United States. And what this administration is doing is is whether it's uh, electric cars or um, electricity production, really forcing the industry to shift to EVs, to wind and solar. All of these technologies are based on minerals that are mined in places like Africa and South America. They are almost exclusively refined in China, and many of these products are assembled in China. So what we're really seeing is a transition from an energy source that we have in abundance to an energy source uh, on which we are dependent on countries like China. All right, Kevin Stockland, thank you again. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks.
AI and cloud computing could potentially create billions of dollars in productivity gains for small and medium businesses. This is according to a report by Amazon Web Services and technology services firm Accenture. NTD Business host Don Ma brings us more. All right, thank you, Chris. And I'm joined by here Derek Giorgino, NTD contributor and risk consultant from the greater LA area. So Derek, uh, I want to ask you, how is AI and robotics uh, transforming uh, the healthcare industry? Maybe we can start off with uh, small businesses and mid-sized businesses. Yeah, sure, John. Well, you know, Accenture and, and Amazon Web Services or, or AWS just issued a, a stunning report which said AI and cloud-enabled technology is going to unlock you know, around $80 billion in productivity for small and mid-sized businesses, broadly speaking, um, by 2030. So not too far away from that, uh, specifically in health industries. Uh, education and, and the agriculture industry sectors. Uh, this is a big deal, Don, because really micro, small and mid-sized companies comprise 99% of global firms and generate over half of the GDP in developed countries. And can you give us some examples as, as to what kind of technologies are cropping up here? Uh, optical character recognition, technology that can read physical documents and extract key data from them for interpretation downstream is a relatively low cost form of artificial intelligence and and you know some base licenses there can be as cheap as a few thousand bucks for some small businesses there's automated workflow and visualization software that can digest and visualize data for business leaders to make prudent decisions but you know, 40% of these small and mid-sized businesses are at least at a basic level of adoption when it comes to cloud technology. Yeah, and maybe you can uh, explain to us what are some practical uh, applications of these technologies that would be beneficial to, to the patient, I guess? Well, serving as a risk consultant primarily in health industries, I can shed some light as it relates to that industry uh, specifically. You know, AI and cloud-enabled technologies have busted onto the scene for a while now in, in, in the healthcare space, and not just from a back office administrative sense, Don, but also from a clinical space. Um, the National Institutes of Health uh, in 2020 reported that the use of AI uh, could potentially cut United States healthcare costs by $150 billion uh, by the year 2026. Uh, telehealth and telemedicine, which many of your viewers might be familiar with and experience on a day-to-day as a huge product of artificial intelligence and cloud-enabled technologies. Um, by 2030, there's going to be over 20 million annual telehealth consultations in the United States conducted by small and mid-sized healthcare organizations. Uh, in the clinical patient care space, AI has, has begun to transform the way that we diagnose, treat, and, and, remote, and, and remotely monitor patients. Uh, it can be used to analyze tons of clinical documentation, which is quite interesting, and even identify disease markers uh, quickly and more accurately for patients. This results in more personalized, customized, direct-to-patient care uh, when these healthcare organizations are beginning to leverage this technology, and it does save costs as well. Well, always good to hear your insight. Thank you so much today. Thank you, Don. Likewise, always love being on the show. Seattle's public utilities are asking 1.5 million customers to conserve water. Washington State is experiencing a statewide drought. The utility company wants residents to stop watering lawns, to fix leaky pipes, and reduce shower time, among other requests. 
It says there might not be enough water for people and fish in rivers. It cites a dry summer with a dry forecast predicted. U.S. Drought Monitor data indicates 43% of the state is in severe drought and 10% is in extreme drought. The state's reservoirs would usually get over 26 inches of rain between May and September. This year, it's only been around 7 inches. If sufficient rain doesn't come soon, the utility company could mandate water restrictions, but that hasn't been done since 1992. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. When we come back, Apple releasing the whole iPhone 15 lineup, but reactions are mixed in China and India, and there's even a strike underway in France. Find out why. Two F-35s land on a highway in new NATO member Finland. It's the first time this version of the fighter jet has landed on a highway. And a space capsule is on its way home. It's been collecting samples from an asteroid from NASA. More shortly here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. The United Auto Workers strike has spread to 38 locations in 20 states. GM and Stellantis plants are being targeted. But the union president says they're making progress with Ford. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez and his wife were charged in a bribery inquiry. The couple allegedly received improper gifts, including gold bars and cash, from three New Jersey businessmen. Trump's team plans to ask a judge to dismiss the New York Attorney General's lawsuit against him. But the AG hopes the judge can find Trump and his family liable for fraud even before the trial starts. The Pentagon says military aid to Ukraine would continue even if Congress fails to pass a spending bill to keep the government open. And New York Governor Kathy Hochul appears to have shifted her position on illegal immigration. She said New York wants to support people in a humanitarian crisis, but there is a limit to what the state can do and asks illegal immigrants to, quote, go somewhere else. The Department of Justice has arrested a government contractor and charged him with spying. The man, originally from Ethiopia, allegedly took advantage of his top-secret security clearance. The contractor had access to classified information from his employment with both the State Department and the DOJ, Court documents don't mention the country implicated in the espionage, but the New York Times identified it as Ethiopia. According to court documents, he allegedly used an encrypted messaging application to transmit maps, photographs, and satellite imagery. Prosecutors say he accessed dozens of intelligence reports, copying information and downloading it to CDs and DVDs. The man now faces charges of retaining and delivering national defense information to aid a foreign government. The CCP's interests in the Panama Canal. Retired Director of Security at the DOD, Colonel John Mills, is in Panama to investigate the Chinese regime's influence operations there. Let's find out what he's learning. Colonel John Mills, thank you for joining us. Chris, always an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Colonel, you're in Panama researching CCP influence operations there. 
What's caught your attention and what are you looking into? Well, Panama is a forgotten area in American, the American discourse. Uh, we built the Panama Canal uh, over 100 years ago. It's one of the eight wonders of the modern civilization. Uh, there was a treaty to hand it over. We did that, but the treaty didn't say Americans had to leave. Uh, Americans, there's still a, a defense, uh, there's still defense language in that handover accord. Uh, and uh, But Americans have left and China detected a vacuum and China has moved in. And we need to uh, better counter their Belt and Road operations. Now, why could Panama be important to the Chinese Communist Party? I mean, if they gain a foothold there, how could they use that to their advantage against the U.S.? Well, I think several things. First, uh, if they controlled the canal, which the Panamanian Commission controls the pa canal right now, um, they could. But if they could somehow block the canal from American naval use right off the bat, any if there's any conflict in Asia any attempt to invade Taiwan or other places, 50% of the U.S. Navy can't get there. And by the way, something is going on at the tip of Argentina with a Chinese Antarctic research station that may have some other things too. So blocking the Panama Canal. Next is business and business presence. The canal is very important for world trade, especially American trade. Uh, so they can choke off American uh, trade needed by America. Third, it also gives them a footprint here for uh, Belt and Road initiatives in the in countries that need it, like Panama. Uh, fourth, it also provides a base of operations to move Chinese paramilitaries north through Mexico, who are also overseeing fentanyl production, but then into America. So at least four good reasons for the Chinese to be here from their perspective. Wow, so they must be pretty interested in it. Now, Reuters reported earlier this month that water levels in the Panama Canal are at historic lows. How are the low water levels there affecting traffic? Well, I mean, the world economy 15, 20 years ago was based on the new supersized container ships, 20,000 TEUs and above, uh, uh, equivalent units. 20-foot equivalent units. Those are the containers. Those ships have a draft, a depth of 50 to 60 feet, which means you need a deep Panama Canal. That's 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 uh, an aircraft carrier only draws goes down about 40 feet. Okay, so these are super huge ships. They have to either unload so they are lighter and have a, sh a shallower draft or they have to single lane them. Uh, instead of having uh, vessels going both directions, they have to essentially single lane them, just like a construction zone. So all these world trade metrics were based upon the assumption, presumption that the Panama Canal could uh, take these, these ships. And with the water level crisis here, uh, that is slowing down traffic considerably. All right, Colonel John Mills, thank you very much for your time. Chris, thank you. Always an honor to be on your show. A top U.S. diplomat calling out Beijing for economic coercion. The U.S. ambassador to Japan painted a clear picture during a speech in Tokyo today. He highlighted Chinese fishing boats operating in Japanese waters despite China's ban on Japanese seafood. 
The controversial ban is part of Beijing's response to Japan's Fukushima water release. The U.S. diplomat also accused China of using the same tactics against other countries. Economic coercion by China is the most persistent and pernicious tool in their economic toolbox. Whether it was the Republic of Korea making a decision as it related to the deployment of THAAD, dealing with its own security related to North Korea, or Australia asking the, God forbid, the question, what was the origin of COVID and let's get to the bottom of it? Or Lithuania as it related to their position on Taiwan. But in each case, that country economically was targeted. The ambassador has served three Democratic presidents. He recently drew attention for social media posts speculating over the disappearance of top Chinese officials. Over to Shanghai, people flocked to a flagship Apple store to pick up their new iPhone 15s, but some customers found the new features underwhelming. One Apple fan said next year he might rethink his yearly iPhone upgrade tradition. Even so, the new model sold out within a minute on an online marketplace. In India, Apple's new launch was met with the same buzz. This is the first set of newly launched phones assembled in India. Apple is the largest player in high-end smartphones in the country. It opened two flagship stores in India earlier this year. In June, the company's revenue hit an all-time high in the country. It's a different scene in France. Apple is facing a strike as workers protest wages and working conditions. The walkout happened the same day the iPhone 15 goes on sale. The union wants a 7% pay raise and an end to the hiring freeze, but management is offering a 4.5% raise. Earlier this month, Apple had to stop selling iPhone 12 models in France due to radiation concerns, which the company disputes. When we come back, a young woman from Taiwan finds beauty in nature and in the creation of ancient Chinese calligraphy. Hear more of her story in our latest report on the Miss NTD beauty pageant. And vitamin E can protect your brain. Find out what else this nutrient can do and what food to get it from. We'll be back with more soon here on NTD News. Thanks for staying with us. A pair of F-35 fighter jets landed on a highway in Finland. It's the first time this variant of the jet has landed on a highway. It shows the jets can be less vulnerable to attack. The two Norwegian aircraft landed in central Finland on Thursday as part of a military exercise. It shows the F-35A can use smaller landing spaces than usually required. That means it can spend less time on the ground during war, making it less vulnerable. Jets were refueling with engines running before taking off again. The F-35B variant has already landed on roads due to its unique vertical flight capability. F-16s are also able to land on roads. Finland is planning to buy 64 F-35 fighter jets from Lockheed Martin. It joined NATO in April and shares over 800 miles of border with Russia. NASA is preparing for the return of a space capsule that they hope will shed light on the origins of our planet. It's been collecting samples from an asteroid and expects it to arrive this September. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. 
The OSIRIS-REx spacecraft launched from Cape Canaveral, Florida in 2016 and reached the asteroid Bennu two years later. The surface basically acted like we hit a pool of water. There was no resistance whatsoever to the downward motion of the spacecraft, and that robotic arm plunged uh, 50 centimeters deep, about the length of my arm, into the subsurface of the asteroid. The mission hopes to unearth the secrets of our planet. The spacecraft spent another two years collecting rubble from the surface. We spent the entirety of 2019 mapping that asteroid, selecting a location we dubbed Nightingale. And in October of 2020, we sent the spacecraft down to collect a sample from that area. In May of 2021, the spacecraft departed asteroid Bennu. A capsule containing rocks and dust from Bennu is expected to land in the Utah desert in September. The asteroid is an estimated 1,600 feet wide and 4.5 billion years old. It's believed to hold the preserved building blocks of the solar system and could shed light on how life arose on Earth. Asteroid Bennu is a time capsule from the very earliest stages of solar system formation. The minerals and the chemicals that make up this asteroid literally formed before the Earth even existed as a planet. So we're really going back to the dawn of the solar system. But to get the samples into laboratories, NASA first has to safely recover the capsule. Scientists are already practicing how to retrieve it. So one of the, the big challenges of bringing the sample back to Earth is just targeting that capsule to the right point in the Earth's atmosphere so it'll land in the desired landing zone in Utah. And that's the challenge that our navigation team and spacecraft operations team is working on right now. The SUV-sized spacecraft is expected to deliver its capsule to Utah's desert floor on September 24th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Ancient calligraphy inspires beauty. A young woman from Taiwan says artistic creation elevates her mind and heart. Here's the story of Annie Lee, one of the 40 finalists of the NTD International Chinese Beauty Pageant. I studied traditional Chinese art in both my undergraduate and graduate programs, taking courses like calligraphy, traditional Chinese painting, seal carving, Nihonga, and Chinese art theory. After being exposed to traditional Chinese culture, it has changed me in a subliminal way. I learned that the ancient artists not only pursued technical improvement of their craft, but also placed great emphasis on inner cultivation and moral conduct. It could even be said that they prioritized this aspect above all else. During my time in college, I had several experiences of selling handwritten Chinese New Year couplets at the morning market. Every time I sold couplets, I felt that the customers received the goodwill and blessings I imparted through them. I also sensed that my patrons believed that handwritten Chinese New Year couplets indeed held value, and the traditional meaning within them carried a warmth. I feel that in order to achieve a breakthrough in my skill, aside from putting in hard work, I need to simultaneously improve myself from within. Seal carving requires precise layout within a miniature surface. The use of the carving knife demands caution and accuracy, and each character needs to be meticulously engraved multiple times to take shape. It involves the patience akin to turning an iron rod into a needle and the persistence of water dripping through stone. 
I believe these principles also reflect a way of life. I have come to realize that these values are deeply embedded in traditional Chinese culture, and it has profound meaning. I believe that artistic creation can indeed reflect a person's inner qualities, just as one's outer appearance can reflect their inner self. If your inner state is tranquil, then your artworks will likely convey a soothing feeling. If you are humble and sincere, then your writing can impart a sense of dignity and stability to others. Ancient people often used elements from the natural world to metaphorically describe women, such as plum blossoms, hibiscus flowers, the moon, and jade. The purity of lotus, the nobility of bamboo, the virtue of water carrying all things, and so on. All these beautiful qualities found in nature's myriad creations, I believe, are bestowed by the divine and meant to inspire humanity. I consider the beauty of women to be in harmony with the beauty of all things in nature. My family expressed their gratitude towards NTD for organizing this beauty pageant, which emphasized the principles of morality, righteousness, propriety, benevolence, and faithfulness as its foundation. To have returning to tradition as an evaluation criterion is unprecedented. I believe that the contestants participating in this pageant will showcase the diverse facets of female beauty and together with everyone, learn and explore what traditional beauty truly means. I consider it a great honor to be part of this journey. Finals and coronation of the Miss NTD pageant are coming next Saturday. For tickets and more about the event, go to MissNTD.com. Vitamin E supports the immune system, protects the brain, and may even combat cancer. On this episode of Strong Mind and Body, NTD's Gina Marie explains what foods to find it in. Research has shown that vitamin E is vital for preventing and reversing various disease complications. This is because of its antioxidant and anti-inflammatory abilities. It also has an ability to prevent clotting and enhance the immune system. Our bodies need vitamin E to fight infections, keep our muscles strong, maintain clear vision and beautiful skin, and help to combat the effects of aging. Vitamin E has also been shown to protect against cancer. It may help to safeguard against neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's as we age. It's always best to get the vitamins and minerals our bodies need from our diet, but this has become increasingly difficult. It's because of soil depletion, chemical pesticides, and an increase in processed foods. If you aren't able to eat your vitamins and minerals, then aim for a high-quality supplement. Some of the best food sources of vitamin E include wheat germ oil, sunflower seeds, almonds, hazelnuts, mango, avocado, butternut squash, broccoli, spinach, kiwi, tomato, pine nuts, peanuts and peanut butter, red bell pepper, turnip greens, beet greens, asparagus and Swiss chard. Animal sources include abalone, goose meat, Atlantic salmon and rainbow trout. Most people don't get enough vitamin E in their diet. If you do want to supplement, make sure to consult a reliable source and take safe amounts. Remember that the type of vitamin E molecule matters, as does the source. Natural sources are always preferable. And that's all for today's news. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Chris Beers.